Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome. You are now seeing a new sermon series. So we've been doing these sermon series each month, and we are excited about this one because today kicks off Confirmation Sunday for our 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. So from 1 to 3 o'clock today, we'll be gathering. We'll be starting to dive into this year's lessons that will last for the whole year. And we decided, instead of just having it be for those guys, how about we include everybody? So for the next five, well, today is being one of the five Sundays, you are going to learn about some Lutheran terminology. So maybe it'll be more teaching than preaching this month, but perhaps it'll help you discover something or rediscover something about your Lutheran tradition. And so some of the topics, you may have seen the screen that said it, will cover grace and justification, saint and sinner, vocation and the neighbor, freedom in Christ, and today you're going to hear a whole lot about law and gospel. And then to culminate it, on the 30th of this month, we're going to invite all of you to a retreat. And normally we have our 8th graders go to an overnight retreat, but this year our Poor eighth graders that were supposed to have been confirmed last May, June, they couldn't because of restrictions. So they are going to be confirmed on October 31st. So this is their shortened version of a retreat and you all are invited to it. So it'll be October 30th from 9 to 11 a.m. here. And you'll be able to take everything you're learning this month and apply it as you walk through these stations of learning that we have planned for you. So we're going to um, begin today talking about the Bible being broken into two parts. And normally we think of that as the Old Testament and the New Testament. But really the more accurate way of breaking the Bible into two parts would be law and gospel or commandments and promises. And so we're going to first explain what that is to kind of set a tone for you so you understand because we all have different ideas what law and gospel mean. But any passages in Scripture that are using law, they help to show our sin and our desperate need for a Savior. Anytime passages talk about the gospel, that tells about God's love and what our Savior did to save us. We need both law and gospel. And so when you're talking about law, there's always conditions on, like, that are placed upon it. So I would say, if you do this, then this will happen. But when you're talking about gospel, it's saying it's already done because of Jesus. And so we preach the law so that people can be directed to the gospel. Because where the gospel is, is where there's hope. And so often we inaccurately assume that Old Testament is all law. And that New Testament is all gospel. And though there's a lot of law in the Old Testament, it's not only law, there's gospel there. And though there's a lot of gospel in the New Testament, there's also law. So we often see that throughout our scriptures, they go hand in hand. And in one of Martin Luther's sermons, I'm going to quote, he explains it this way. Everything that proclaims something about our sin and God's wrath is the proclamation of law, however and whenever it takes place. But on the other hand, the gospel is the kind of proclamation that points to and bestows nothing else than grace and forgiveness in Christ. And you have to hear that these contrasting messages are intertwined throughout the Bible. And in the Psalms, there's a lot of them that are good. But I'm going to point out two that you can look at on your own. Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 are, are ones that you can look at to kind of see this. But I'll 
Together we're going to look at a letter from Paul in Romans 3, 23 to 24. He writes, Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So you hear the, the law, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we're not left to be hanging out there with just that. It's coupled with the promise, which is the gospel, that we're justified by this grace as a gift. And you can see that there's, whenever there's a, a command, there's always a promise to follow. Martin Luther goes on to say that the apostles begin by proclaiming the law to those who still don't recognize their sins. And they, they feel no terror of God's wrath. For the gospel and Christ are established and given not to terrify us, not to condemn us, but to comfort and console us for anybody who has felt that terror or who anybody who feels faint-hearted. So these ideas aren't new. These go way back to Luther's day. Both law and gospel have different functions. So gospel is used to bring people to see and believe in the depth of their sin and their helplessness. But then we have the gospel that is used to help people see and believe the heights of God's love and the power of forgiveness. Again, we need both. So being truly Lutheran means that we don't give anybody the impression that God's love can be earned in any way. You can't earn love. Even if you're incredibly obedient to the law, God doesn't love you more because of that. You can't earn that. Being truly meet, uh, Lutheran also doesn't mean that we undercut the good news of God's love by adding conditions, by making it more difficult than it is. It's a free gift. We don't need to complicate it. So we can let the law go ahead with, with all of its commandments. It could be thundering that out and, and we can drive people to see through all of that their need for God's mercy. We all need God's mercy. So we get to let this gospel be the good news of Jesus to comfort each of us who are sinners, which is all of us, and it comforts us with love and forgiveness because of this gracious God that we have. So I love that this um, idea of God's love and this, this gospel lesson is all about God surprising us. The gospel is always a surprise. It's not predictable. And so I was trying to um, imagine, like, what is it in our world that sort of correlates to it? And I can't help but when I look out, I see people of God. I see children, right? We're always called children. I don't care how old or how young you are. I just look at us. We're just a bunch of children because we need God so badly. We make mistakes all the time. So I thought, well, gosh, my kids at one point were toddlers. And as much as they thought they could do everything on their own, I had to be right there catching them. I, they couldn't do it. They, they couldn't go and make a gourmet meal. They couldn't go pay the bills. I didn't charge my two-year-old's rent. I, they couldn't do any of that, right? They needed me to freely love them and care for them to help them live. The law are these expectations of us that we will never, ever measure up to. Because if we did, we wouldn't need a savior. So what happens here is we have this expectation and we will all fall short of that glory. But because of Jesus, because of the blood of Christ that was shed for you and I, we all of a sudden have a fighting chance 
because now we receive this gift for no reason. We don't deserve it simply because God loves us. So when I put us in terms of children, I look at us today and I think, man, have we even grown up? In our faith, we're so infantile. We're so little. We're so needing to be cared for. And no matter how hard we try, we can't make ourselves right in the eyes of God. We need to have a Savior. And that's exactly what the promise of the Lord is. That's why we have the gospel. That's where we find our hope. So if we look into the, the reading from today, from Matthew 9, we see that we have these friends who are carrying their paralyzed friend to go meet Jesus to be healed. And you have to keep in mind, back then when somebody was paralyzed or somebody was ill of that nature, it was often believed that it was their sin that caused them to be in that predicament. And if it wasn't their sin, it was their ancestor's sin that caused them this. So you can only imagine as this man's been paralyzed that all, he's probably been like beating himself up over and over that he's done something wrong to deserve this. He's sinned so boldly that he deserved to be paralyzed. And when these friends bring him to Jesus, the first thing Jesus does is say to him, your sins are forgiven. Those are words of freedom for this man. But of course, the scribes start to grumble because they think that Jesus is acting like God, which is blasphemy. That would have killed him. And Jesus can hear what's going on in their heart. He calls them out on it. And he's like, what the heck? You need me to like heal him too? Fine, go walk. But the more important part was that his sins were forgiving. He was physically healed. He was emotionally healed. He was spiritually healed. And it was because of his faith that he came to Jesus knowing Jesus could do this. And what did Jesus do but surprise them all? He healed them wholly because of this love. When we look at this story, we see how Jesus proclaimed the gospel of forgiveness. Jesus could have walked away. He didn't have to do anything to that guy that day. But instead, he poured out his love on that man. So my question to you is how many of you are paralyzed in your own lives right now because of something you've done. Maybe you're paralyzed because of some poor choice you've made and you've never fessed up to it. Or maybe you've stopped taking care of yourself and you've fallen ill because of your own doing. Or maybe there's a way you've cheated somebody or a lie you've told or some way that you've gotten in over your head and you're just thinking, I can't tell anybody this. So you're paralyzed by the fear. You're paralyzed by the, the, you don't want to hurt somebody. And Jesus knows your heart. And Jesus can look right into your situation. And Jesus, because of the gospel, can offer you forgiveness and healing. Just like this man. I mean, you and I are bound by rules in our lives. We are bound by laws. How perfect have you been? I fail every single day of my life. I don't even know what a Sabbath is. But why is that like lesser of a commandment than killing? I don't think I'm going to kill somebody today, but I can guarantee you I'm not going to take a Sabbath. And why is one okay and one isn't? I can't do that on my own. I need God to help me. Look into your own life. Where do you need your Savior? 
the given here is that we're always going to mess up because of our human nature. No matter how hard we try, we can't do it alone. How many times have you tried to do it your way? We say this all the time, right? We always try to do it our way. Never works out that way, does it? And God gives us these, um, God gives us these laws to help us learn how to do it God's way. But when we mess up and we do it our way and we want to give up and suddenly we decide we're going to blame God for all this. God's punishing us. It's because of God this is happening. Where are you, God? And we get ourselves all crazy when all along God is saying, I gave you the rules and if you follow that, you would have had peace. I shared with you how to do this, but since you can't do it on your own, I'm not going to leave you out to dry. I'm going to come and I'm going to love on you and I'm going to offer you forgiveness and I'm going to be right there. God does not punish us the way we say he does. How many of you have often in your head said, God must be punishing me? And if you've never said it, you're fooling yourself because people say it to us all the time. That's not how God works. God's here to offer you forgiveness. God's here to offer you love. So the words of the law can often be stinging and can be condemning. But the message of the gospel will always be comforting. It will always be consoling. It will always be forgiving. And so when you find yourself being exposed of your weaknesses and, and like this demand that's been placed on you, look for the promise. Look to see the gospel that forgives you and redeems you and gives you that strength. Because whenever there's a command, there's always a promise. Look for the promise. Because we need both. We need both. Let me tell you that I grew up in a, a tradition that preached more law than gospel. And every Sunday I would leave heavy thinking I could never measure up. The guilt that was so heavy. And I know some of you out there are recovering from that same tradition. But if I only preached gospel and, and prosperity and I only told you how it's just going to be amazing, you would be disappointed because that wouldn't be fulfilled. So you need both. You literally, we have this word in Lutheranism called tension. We need this beautiful tension to know like this is what ex is expected of us and here's who's going to help us get there. And this gospel motivates us to live a Christian life in response to these, this law. This law helps us to understand how to live a life of thankfulness for the God who gives, the God who loves us. This isn't new. Back in Jeremiah 31, it says, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This prophet from long ago is right there saying, listen, the Lord tells us he's going to write the law right inside of us. We all have a moral compass. We all know right from wrong. And he's also going to say, I want this personal relationship with you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. And I want to forgive you. And I want to help you. Both law and gospel together. And you have to hear that 
It's because of Jesus' atoning sacrifice for us that this gospel is even possible. And when, when the Lord spoke law and gospel into existence, they were both spoken out of love for all of God's children. We need to recognize we're sinful. We need to recognize we're just going to not always be right. We're not going to always measure up. And that's not when we turn our back to God, but that's when we turn to the Lord. Because it says in Galatians 5.14, for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I know that you think we stand up here a lot and talk about love. That's why it boils down to love. And it's so easy to say, love others, love others. But friends, don't miss it. You've got to love yourself. When you love yourself, you can receive that love of God and then you can share that love with other people. And by cutting yourself a little slack, by being a little bit more compassionate, by being more gentle with yourself, by trying to forgive yourself, you can let go of that anger. You can let go of your judgment, your guilt, your self-hatred. You can let go of the victim attitude and recognize that you are a child of God even when you fall short. Even when you fall short, God is pouring love into you, onto you, around you, all over you. So hear the words that this gift of the gospel, this gift of love is always being offered to you. Enjoy that holy tension. Recognize your need for a savior and open your arms up. Receive that love. Let that love of God breathe new life into you. And then sit back and enjoy knowing that you've been chosen by God as one of God's children because you are forgiven and you are loved. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for not giving up on us. We always miss the mark. We do things that separate us from you. We try to go the other way when you're pulling us this way. And then we have the nerve to blame you for the mistakes that we make. And yet you continue to remind us that the price has already been paid that the sinless Jesus went to the cross to die for us so that we wouldn't have to experience your wrath. So we don't have to fear your punishment any longer, Lord. But somehow we have a hard time grasping that. So pour your Holy Spirit into each of us to help us understand the gift of mercy, to understand the gift of grace. Teach us to love ourselves more so we can forgive ourselves, so we can love ourselves, so we can go into the world and share your love, the love that you first poured into us. So thank you for making us in your image, Lord. Thank you for loving us like you do. Please bless each person here today. In your holy name we pray. Amen.